Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but that life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, huge guest from the band Dirty Money, from the band High Viz, who put out one of my favorite LPs of last year and actually 2019 too. Graham Sale is on the show. Um, more on that in one second, but sit back. And wait, because it's a good one. If you want to get in touch with me, head up to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Damien To support the show, tell all your friends about it. Let them all know about it. Subscribe to it and rate it if you can. Uh, and, and that's it. I play in a band. We're called Fucked Up. You can find out more information about us at fuckedup.cc. Uh, we have uh, new uh, records coming out, some tour dates, uh, a brand new LP called One Day, which is coming out on January 27th. And uh, I'm very excited for this record to come out. It's totally, totally different than anything we've done uh, for the last few releases. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you to hear it. And you can find out more information over there at fuckedup.cc. There's a merch store. You can buy records, buy shirts, you know. Do what you will over there. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel. Turned Out of Punk. At Turned Out of Punk on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash at Turned Out of Punk. And you will find documentaries, quote-unquote documentaries, about Zach Blair and MVP's incredible journey and them saving the misfits from being murdered by the macho man, Randy Savage. Yes, all that is real. You can watch that video over there. Also a video about Jack Black, beloved comedian and, and just b- beloved person by myself uh, included. Uh, a whole thing about his secret punk rock history using uh, information that I found out about on the show and... Lots of new research. I'm, I'm excited for you to check that out. And there's also Roll the Dice with Danko Jones and myself talking about obscure records and you know, old podcasts are up there. Check check out YouTube. My f- kids finally think I'm doing something with my life because I've got a YouTube channel. So, uh, All right, that is it for the personal stuff. <laughs> uh, on to today's show. As I said off the top, I'm sorry, I'm a little sick today, so a little bit delirious right now. As I said off the top, Graham Sale from the band High Viz is here. I've known Graham for a very long time since he was no bigger than a shirt button. And I've watched him grow up and become one of my favorite front people. Uh, As I said off the top, the two High Viz LPs that have come out are two of my favorite records to come out of the last few years. Uh, You can check them out. uh, No Sense, uh, No Senses, No Feelings, which was on Venn Records. I think it's still on Venn Records. No, probably. Yeah, it's still on Venn Records. You can still grab it. They got repressed this year. And Blending is the brand new record on Deus. A lot of people have this on their top 10 records of last year. A lot of people with great taste, I should add, and myself included. Uh, So check this record out. Check this band out. I think you're going to be hearing a lot more from them. And uh, that's it. So sit back, relax. Oh, full disclosure, we said it on the show, but there were some audio problems and we had to record this episode twice. But anyway, we'll talk about it on the show. I think that's it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Graham Sale on Turned Out a Punk. Graham, welcome back to the show. How's it going? You all right? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I, I actually uh, am fulled up on pot noodles right now pot and noodles or oh pot well pot and noodles (laughs) but the noodles being pot noodle (laughs) the healthy british stable beef and tomato that's my that's my jam did he sell that over there or did you import it well that's the thing We, we i do import it whenever i can but they do sell it over here and prior to this they've run me about uh three pound 50 okay a a pot noodle with a markup just reminds me of bumping off school well, but I found one yesterday, the place that has them for two pounds each, which is almost like UK prices. Stock up. I, mean, I did. Get on for that now. We're fucked here. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I'm going to have to start reverse exporting pot noodle back to England. <laughs> repatriating, <laughs> the pot- <laughs> repatriating the pot noodle. <laughs> I, I have heard legend that somewhere in the Midlands, there is a warehouse that has all the expired pot noodles, and it's a giant pyramid of pot noodle 
Have you heard about this? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no, what? <laughs> I, I, I guess I ask a Is lot it... more questions about pot noodle when I'm in the UK than I think people in the UK do. Okay, uh, the mythical pyramids of pot noodles in the Midlands. Yeah, apparently because they can never go bad, pot noodle. They just don't expire. They, you know, it's just powder, right? <laughs> I mean, right? I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, they, and they, so they've got like this apparently pyramid of expired pot noodles, like massive pyramid of expired pot noodle. <laughs> so if there's ever an apocalypse, like a 28 days later style apocalypse, pot noodle pyramid. Yeah, pot noodle yeah. pyramid. <laughs> it's where you gotta go. <laughs> Well, Graham, we uh, recorded the show before, full disclosure, but the audio quality had some issues, so we are back again to to uh, to do this, and That's I will out. I will feign surprise and excitement at all the stories again. I, <laughs> I, I promise. Uh, but for the sake of the audience, let's start it all over again. How'd okay. you get in a punk? Um, so I see, I've had more time to think about this now as well. Um, it's, it started. I got my mum and dad were both bikers, so I got into like I've always been around kind of guitar music, so to speak. So when I was a kid, when I was dead young, I used to love Guns N' Roses. Like that was like that was my shit, and I used to just fucking dive off my bed and do you know what I mean? Just yeah. be a little more shit. And then I got as I got a bit old, obviously I got a bit old. Like everyone in my school was into happy hardcore and like you know like techno and that. So I yeah. got into stuff like that, and then a bit older. I was like a little mosher when I was like. From like eleven to fourteen or whatever, just into like generic alternative Mosher stuff, and then um, well, what what was the, kind of that stuff at that time? Because because England, I find, has generally the generic alternative stuff was always slightly cooler than the generic alternative stuff in Canada yeah. and America. Not really. It was mostly just like like Machine Head and like you know shit like that. Mm-hmm. Just heavy stuff. When Slipknot came out, so I was like, you know, that was sick. It was like just you know loads like. Yeah, all that kind of thing. I started and I started going over to Liverpool a lot at the time. So I, I grew up over the water, a place called New Brighton. So I used to go over to town and my mum took me to this place. It was called Quiggins at the time. It was like a kind of alternative shopping centre place. I remember going around there just being like, fucking hell, this is sick. Just seeing all like mad goths and, you know, people being, I don't know. Like, I just thought this was sick. And then... Um, we played Quiggins. Like, Quiggins was the first place fucked up ever played. Was it? Yeah, there's a top floor. There was like... Uh... I guess like a pub almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where we had our very first show oh, in shit. the UK. And so I, I love, I got so many fond memories of wandering around that place jet lagged yeah, like first day in the UK. Um, <laughs> just, but like <laughs> you're saying, it, it was amazing because it's like this crazy old Victorian giant building that was essentially like an alternative mall. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was just so, yeah, it's just so self-contained. I remember just seeing all the people just hanging out outside. And then as, as, as I got a bit older, when I was going over there and just, going over to town just hanging around really and then obviously i was young at the time so i was like probably like 13 when i started going over there i guess and then i got into other little bits and like met some people who did graph and stuff like that and i met um ended up hanging out with them a lot and we, we used to go to this cafe called the egg cafe in town um i remember there was this lad he used to hang around with called dave kent who was like he was straight edge at the time and he um basically a metal we used to just take the piss out of him for being straight edge. He didn't know what it was. He didn't know like the you know what straight edge was. Just yeah. remember taking the piss out of him because he was fucking weird for it. And then, <laughs> well, I met all I met all his mates who were um, who were straight edge, and they were just like all yeah, just all the, like Northern Wolfpack hardcore kids basically. And I was dead young. I was like you know fifteen, and I was in a couple of my mates into other stuff. So I met this lad Tom who used to sing in a band called Unsanctum, who were like a black metal band. I remember I went on tour with them when I was, I think I was, yeah, 15 maybe at the time. And we toured, yeah, toured, maybe 15 or 16 anyway. So, like, he went on to do another, another band called Dragged Into Sunlight afterwards. A couple of years, they were fucking great. Like, but, um, and, yeah, at the time, so when I hung, yeah, hung out with all these straight edge lads in town, basically. And they sort of, I think a couple of, I really looked up to them. And a couple of them, like, kind of started giving me records. And just, like, because I didn't really, you know, I didn't know what it was. But they were telling me about how, like, sh- like, telling these mad stories about how they go shows and like fucking be kickboxing and like, like smashing each other up to hate breeds and I, and then like obviously I got into things like hate breeds and stuff like that and I was getting into at the same time, so I was getting into all this like metallic, hard hardcore and then all also being like 
spoon feds or like hardcore or you know massively wide ranging so i remember getting given like this lad tom o'brien he gave us like a rorschach cd um spaz cd like the gummo soundtrack <laughs> i hate guards um and then like i was getting tapes as well because everyone was everyone was giving you know like making tapes for each other so i remember getting like bad brains roi sessions on one side and then damaged on the other side and then like so all this stuff i was like and then also getting like getting given mad hip-hop as well at the time so i was like i was like, oh cool these lot are into everything because a lot of the people who just hung out in this cafe it was you know quite it was a really nice community in liverpool everyone everyone just took the piss out of each other do you know what i mean like non-stop and it's like <clears throat> that's how i grew up and it was like sick so i felt like quite a part of something you know when i was young mm. and looking for something to like be a part of i guess and it was sick so yeah and yeah. then they, i remember going to shot yeah going to going with them and down to uh i think yeah i said crutch were playing down the road um with like nine bar from london i remember going to that and just being <clears throat> meeting like fatty bar and stuff and just being like oh fucking hell these are like cool as fuck they're just and they also they're also listening to this music but like wearing trackies and do you know what i mean it was kind of a lot more relatable to me <clears throat> so yeah it's, it's, it. it's interesting you say that about liverpool because i do find like there's two places you go where people are uh cutting each other down as much or like you know but like in a, a really kind of playful but you know also kind of harsh way yeah you know like every episode with someone from liverpool on this podcast that i've had someone else from liverpool will hit me up to be like ah they're full of shit <laughs> they weren't really like that <laughs> it's, i mean it was liverpool was such a mad community of like because when i listen to um what's his face's podcast um brookside yeah Rob brookside. brookside. yeah i was like he was talking about Bilzo and uh, I think by Bilzo and Cy Kelly and a couple of, and they were like, they were like the older, you know, older hardcore kids and still like really active. And it's like Bilzo was like 40 or something at the time. I remember when I was, I was 15, 16, when I first met him. And they, like, a lot of them fellows are like quite intimidating. You know what I mean? Everyone has, you have to be a bit, you know what I mean? Growing up around there, the white people, you, and you learn, like I say, you learn to be thick skinned and you learn to be fucking good at taking the piss out of each other. It was like, but um, they, you know, it was, it was welcoming in a sense. Like I was a cheeky cunt as well, so I was like, I just would instantly be taking the piss out of them, and I'd be, you know, it was just like, but I was like, oh fuck, this is me now, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's also you and me were talking off air about how everything cool in culture comes back to graffiti, skateboarding, and hardcore, and we were talking about that intersection between the three. I don't like Liverpool and New York to me are places that you can see that really clearly illustrated like the fact that you have jeff rowley hanging out in this scene where kids were doing graffiti and it was it did feel like when we were going over there that this was the place that hardcore kind of like was still the most vital and, and mm. manchester too to, to be fair there was like a stuff yeah, and the, manchester they really like hold on to their identities you know like it's you know like scouts not english you know like mm. a lot of people like it really is a big part of it and also like being proud of where you're from, stuff like that, you know, like people really, really are. And it's like, it's an amazing thing. I think it's a great, like, at the time, hardcore was like, about all around that time, we start having like a bit more of a resurgence as well in the country. So, as you know, as I was like 16, 17, it's when there was the start of all that, uh, like that Den Gone Records started to pop off. And there was a lot of bands from Liverpool. There was, um, Bands up the, uh, Walk the Plank started a bit, a bit later on, probably not, but uh, bands like the Down and Out. It started actually, it was this band called The Last Chance, who um, it was a couple of the guys from from town who were doing it, and some people from Sheffield. So I started like, started to understand these like links between towns and just, you know, like, the, like, I'd, that, before that, I just, I'd only really existed in Merseyside, you know what I mean? That was the, that was the, the breadth of my world. And then all of a sudden, I'd be, I'd meet people who, it shows from Manchester and Sheffield and London and stuff. And then I was like, it just like opened, opened me up to a whole fucking whole world really. And mm. obviously at the, at the time I was sitting on message boards and just reading and learning and you become like a bit of a, you know, 
start being a bit of a scholar in it, <laughs> like British hardcore or whatever. Um, it was it was it was a boss time. Like yeah, especially when like water blank and the down and outs and the shows in Liverpool. There's like Foxy used to do a thing called Night of the Living Dead, which I've I talked to you about before. But it was um this kind of all nighter at the skate park. And I don't I remember I was at the one before when I was at the one that Knuckle Dust and that played. Um, but we kind of don't like I don't really remember it necessarily. And then the next one when it was like Leatherface played, Drop Dead, <sighs> like, and then the Dukes of Nothing. I think play yeah it's fucking sick like i remember just bit like such a they were always such amazing mixed bills liverpool's always had a really good um good approach of like having mixed bills so that's what I, you know so i think that's probably why my taste has been so sort of wide in a sense is that just i've never really all the things that i've thought of as punk is just you know could be anything like i think you know it's bits of hip-hop and stuff like that it's got like a punk approach to it and i've always like appreciated anything that's come from that side of things yeah i think that's the thing about liverpool is that there were as when we started going there it was more well we started well we were going there earlier on but like when we started kind of playing a lot more of the bands from there it was like cold ones down and outs uh sss like none of those bands sounded at all like each other and there were tons of other bands obviously as well but it was always interesting how all these bands shared members or it was very much like a, a very tight-knit scene yeah yeah but people were all over the map in terms of their taste like no one was trying to do a genre specific yeah exactly you couldn't it can like and there was, there was just so much of that it was cool and everyone yeah everyone would always present to me like be like oh you should listen to this try this and then so i never, I never really differentiate the difference between listening to like just heavy like doom bands like goat snake and all that southern lord stuff i still i thought of that as the same thing as you know like just like straight up hardcore really mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's always yeah it's interesting too like that gummo soundtrack that you brought up how sick that soundtrack is looking back on it that's amazing yeah yeah i mean like like i say so i'm mean, talking about i hate god and spaz again on that and then just like just mad shit and it's so and i i just thought that that was like coherence i mean it's not but, you know what i mean yeah well it's that's it is to me because it's like you know if you look back at that sort of first wave of uk diy stuff where it's just like whatever people liked was mm. and that they were doing kind of part of this underground network was automatically just part of DIY. Yeah. And and I think that's the best thing when it's when it can be I hate God at the same time it can be the down and outs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, there was, there was so much of that. I loved it. Like they're crushingly underrated too, the down and outs. The what sorry? They're crushingly underrated. I fucking oh love it. Oh my that god. Song. Boys from the Black Stuff is one of the biggest influences on me. I like I them like I was oh, Kev Kev Walsh and McGill like I used to love what Kev Walsh's old band he's been a band called Seconds Out with like other people from like Manchester and that and they were just the most vicious like he it, it, it was have you listened have you heard the Seconds Out demo no I gotta like, hear that it's really fucking good it's just like it's yeah it's so raw and horrible and like Kev's from Kev's from a place called Kirby I don't know if like, it was just like just like. It's just a mad place to go. I think like, and it just, it really like, I don't know, it just captures something that I can't really explain. But it's that same feeling of feeling like out of place and out and like fucking pissed off and not really knowing what to do with it. And it's I like it was massively influenced by that at the time. And then obviously doing the down and out, his voice and the down and out is just like I love it. Try, like kind of tuneful and off key and just angry and fucking yeah, it's sick. Well, that's I love that. Like I don't know that that UK. Uh sound to pop punk you know where it's mm. like snuff all the way to the down and outs where it's like it is that kind of gruff out of tune i think the thing was like a lot of the american pop punk is eventually there's like a glam metal influence that just kind yeah. of like exists in it and i mean the vocals on like earlier Leatherface and that it's like yeah. it's, it's fucking raw it sounds like the hardcore band you know what i mean but it sounds like, like lemmy yeah yeah which is like the dream like you know let me let me as a you know doing a punk band is like that That that's japanese hardcore right there yeah yeah <laughs> were your parents into like motorhead you mentioned they were into bike stuff like what were the bands that they were kind of like yeah. other than guns and roses i think well i am um, a lot of like my mom's had me to a lot of like rhythm and blues stuff really that kind mm -hmm. of generation stuff but um i remember like i got a copy of sepultura roots at my mum's cd collection when i was young and i was like fucking hell this is sick <laughs> <laughs> um 
don't necessarily know if she even like liked it that much, but but she was in yeah. I remember her and my mate Mark Hovell, we played in Day Money as well. Her and me mum, like sounds off key, but like him making tapes for me mum, being like a tape with, like pentagram on one side and goat snake on the other. I remember it because I remember fucking getting a lift to school and listening to it. <laughs> <But> like. <laughs> And my mum made a tape for him of like one side had like mountain on it, that record climbing and then something else, just like heavy kind of bluesy stuff. So yeah, mostly stuff like that. And like, yeah, a lot of sort yeah, a lot of metal and stuff like that. I love that stuff too, like uh the groundhogs and, and hawkwind and all yeah. that like that kind of heavy R and B informed kind of psychedelic rock yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like that to me is uh, well, that's protopunk as well. Like that that clearly is informing the first generation of people that wind up doing the punk records, like the damned and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's really into skinners and stuff like that as well. So it's always kind of like kind of heavy southerny blues, like stuff as well. It's like, we've got, you know, good taste in music. They see like, been quite lucky with it really. And I think when I was, you know, dead young, I just rebelled against it a bit. And then as you get older, you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to turn into them, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> what, what about like, uh, Britpop stuff like what kind of presence did that have like obviously you're you're not experiencing that stuff as it first first happens as like a a teenager but like it seems like it culturally looms so large and it occupies such a different mm. space obviously in the uk than it does here i remember yeah i remember that, yeah all that stuff i was like obviously into it when i was young young um remember having like oasis vhs's and like you know what i mean i like yeah but i was that's, i'm I was the type of person who liked Blair and Oasis. You know what I mean? I, I've never, and everyone's like, who do you like more? And it's like, I just like both, yeah? And I can appreciate <laughs> both of them in a sense. I think that's what, like, yeah, one of the things I'd like, that kind of makes me, sets me apart in a sense of like, not being, not trying to side with a team. I've never given a fuck about football, do you know what I mean? I've never, yeah, yeah. I've never been like, I'm this team and I fucking hate you because I love this team. You know what I mean? Like, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was big and I loved it. I remember, like, getting my first ever girlfriend, gave me a CD with Cooler Shaker on one side. <laughs> Oasis on the other side. It's been like, yeah, I loved like, I loved Britpop, but it was just, it was everywhere, wasn't it? It's kind of, yeah. like, stuck in our uh, DNA, I think. Well, I think also music in general, you know that music isn't important to everyone, but, like, uh, and it, it feels like it's it's, well, it's, like, almost like football a lot of times in the way especially it's taken up in the uk press of that period where you, you know you had your team that you supported and that was a yeah. lot of your identity was in who you were supporting in these different things and yeah it, and it sells papers so i don't blame anyone for doing it yeah yeah i just never did to it really i kind of like all of it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i like here i don't think we were ever forced to choose in the same way i think they played them at all like we used to have mod nights here and they would always mm. just play Britpop at Mod Nights, and they would play both Oasis and Blur. There was no, <laughs> just, no distinction made. It's not the half the, half the crowd walk off. You know I mean? No, no, no. You're you're a weirdo if you like Britpop over here at the jump in the nineties. <laughs> so everyone's united in their weirdo status. <laughs> uh, but it's it's interesting how you know, like at the time, I remember there was like the 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 big battle between Blur and Oasis. There was that day that they released singles, and Blur ultimately sold the most singles and you know blurs had a lot of cultural success and you know the gorillas and everything but at the same time oasis kind of became like a bruce springsteen kind of presence over the uk i kind of feel yeah i mean how do you mean how do you mean by that well i just mean like there's just so much i forget who was on the show talking about being in a bar in america and when wonderwall comes on just like being able to look around the room and notice all the other british people that are in the room they, they're all you can't not sing it yeah they can't not sing it and not that it's not a huge thing over here to sing along that song but it's just like hits it in a different way yeah that's a, it's a here it's like people always yeah people always talk to us about it about because obviously there's bits of, like bits of sound brit poppy and i think it's just a lot of people i've got a northern accent and i'm a man of an age you know what i mean like so it's quite easy to be like Oh well, you've obviously fucking loved Liam Gallagher. I'm like, yeah, I think Liam Gallagher's a sick frontman, but I don't like, I don't I like. He's just like a, a you know, so he's like he's sick, but he's he's just he's always been there or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, Damon so, Alburn's sick too. You what? Damon Alburn's sick too. Oh uh, yeah, he's sick. He's a bit like he's a bit less cool, but he's still like you know he's doing what he's doing. 
when I was a little kid, my dad moved to England. Like my parents split up. My dad moved to England and uh, he, he lived in this hotel and was looking for a place. And Damon Alburn was the bartender there. And oh, shit. We, we used to go down, like I would go visit him and we'd like sit in the bar. Really weird that I'm like an eight year old just sitting <laughs> at the bar with my dad drinking. But I think he was going through a, a weird period at that point. And uh, yeah, Damon Alburn would just make me Shirley Temples and and talk to me. I remember I've got really vivid memories. Was, well, he was in Blair at the time. Yeah, Blur had just started. My dad told him that they should change their name because they had a terrible name. And but he said the same to <laughs> fucked up. So Does he like fucked up. I was gonna say he thought the name was terrible. He told me I should definitely change the name. So Damon and Alburn and I are both high five and at my dad's expense right now. But uh, but yeah, no, it, it was very you know very. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for that band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like quite. Uh, it's amazing what Damon Albans doing now. Like, I mean, we Gorillaz played. We played a festival the same day as them, and it was like they had everyone else. He's just like he's he's pretty fucking good at music, isn't he? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he kind of figured it out. And, yeah. And uh, that's the thing is, I think post Oasis, post Blur. Gorillaz is probably the biggest post of those bands, right? Like mm -hmm. certainly the band that I think resonates the most around the world out of any of the post projects is coming out of those two just bands. Doesn't, doesn't seem limited by like, you know, by what it is. It's just because they've done so much like different shit. So I don't, I don't like regularly listen to Gorillaz, but I do think it's fucking cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like once in a while I'll hear a song and I'll be like, oh, that's not too bad. And I'll be like, oh shit, that's like Gorillaz. Maybe I should listen to the whole record sometime. But yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Leatherface to listen to before you get to that blur. Right there, <laughs> I think I asked you this last time, but for the sake of the audience, what about bands like Mega City Four and stuff like that? Like the pre yeah, never not the web bands have got into it all really. It doesn't mm. like when I was getting into really into punk, I was just so like kind of obsessed with the stuff coming out of Britain. You know, there was so there was so much good stuff at the time, and Dead and Gone Records was doing loads, and like and Europe as well because at the time like. You know, Belgian hardcore. There's bands like Dead Stop and Justice and Rise and Fall and like and them lot. There was like fucking. I mean, that Dead Stop record was amazing. You know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of them lot were coming over a lot. So I was getting to, you know, I just following around, jumping in the car with other people and just, you know, what I mean, just driving, following around the country. And there's a couple of tours around, like around that time that just really fucking made me like love hardcore and it's after i mean after most of the reason i moved to london was for that or because of that you know like i met i met some people obviously chatting to them, like knowing them from message boards whatever and then like like ben rayner from london and stuff like that and it comes down you know ben rayner oh my god do i know ben rayner <laughs> that was, have you seen the ben rayner moshes to hate breed video of course i have are you joking he hates regular viewer <laughs> I love that video so much. At, at the time, at the time, you know, like people were moshing in bedrooms regularly. Oh, absolutely. We've all done that. We've all, <laughs> we've all like, maybe not necessarily set up the camera and filmed it in that way, but we've all like done Like an audition it. video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how else are you going to improve if you don't watch yeah, back well, exactly. your tapes, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think it's also... Uh, Ben's like another person that I, you know, he's gone on to huge success in his field mm. of photography and things like that. But I, I just, I just will never be able to get it in my head. Like Ben Rayner, the hardcore kid uh, for life. And, and I you used to love him. There oh. used to be in a band called this time around. And they, they, they come to Liverpool. I remember, I remember him and Rory Gleason both being like, Oh, fucking hell. Look, it's bold street, bold street. Oh, and then I was like, <laughs> Uh, any fucking hardcore weapons is sick, but I, yeah, I got to know them a lot. And then I, I was going down to shows and stuff in London and like just driving. And then that's obviously just made. I mean, I, I, met, I met a girl in London and I was like, well, maybe I should just move to London then. Like, hardcore sick, I can do this. Were you, were you at that Cold World uh, Justice tour? I think it was Cold World. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Was that it? Yeah. That seems to have been a huge tour. Like that was Charlie uh, when he was on the show. So that's the seeing that in London was what got him into hardcore. Yeah, did we? I don't think no. I don't think we played at the time. I don't think we were a band. That was just before that he yeah. started. But yeah, that was um. Yeah, it was big. There was a, a yeah Cold World tour, and it was around because Locking Out was massive as well at the time. So like everyone was just geeking out and locking out bands, and then 
like the mental tour previous to that, I went to like, I think I might have gone to every show and uh, just following them around. And it was like the fucking coolest thing. I mean, Did the Iron Age fake Righteous Jams tour come? Or like the uh, the alternate? Yeah, that was that was slightly after. That was uh, we we took we played a couple of them shows with Dirty Money. Yeah, it was it was a uh, yeah like a really cool time for music. It felt like that locking it post locking out period where it, it just kind of spread. Well, like I think Justice was a direct outgrowth of that in a lot of ways, and it's also it gave weird. legitimacy, didn't it? Like I think that yeah, locking out and that connection between that and like Belgian bands are so, like a lot. Belgian, you know, Belgian bands got felt like, well, we all, I think everyone did. Everyone was just like, oh, sick, we're part of something cool, yeah. And it, mm-hmm. and you, if when people were getting like noticed a little bit in America, you know, what I mean, because before that, I think especially with British bands, there wasn't many British bands who'd gone over to America. I think like Voorhees tours with Hate Breeze or whatever, and then Sworn In came Sworn over. In, yeah, Sworn In played. Um, I couldn't really like. I can't think of who how many other bands really. So it was like. Yeah, Snuff, Leatherface, but they're, I guess, a different generation, um, came over a little bit later. I think Voorhees might have toured America twice. Yeah, I think they might, yeah. Uh, and Voorhees, obviously, were a band that was hugely celebrated over here. I think they were a band that a lot of people were beloved, but I think they came over too early before people discovered them, and then they came over again, and it was kind of a little bit later. Yeah. Um but I feel like you're right. There weren't that many bands that were coming. And also it felt like American hardcore and European hardcore almost existed in completely different worlds. Like there's very little overlap. It felt like between like the teamwork record scene and the crucial response scene, even though there was these bands playing yeah. together, but it just didn't feel like they, it connected with American fans until that locking out sort of stamp of approval. Like you're talking. About. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess a couple, couple of labels were born out of that. Cause before, yeah, I guess all the, the Belgian stuff, they, they very much had like, they're like eight thousands and mm-hmm. like super like hard metal, like metallic hardcore scene. And then, but that was all quite isolated, I guess. Yeah. It never yeah. really like reached over, but, um, our voice was, yeah, voice was such a good band. I mean, Gwen, Le- like Lecky as a influence was like the most fucking terrifying front man. <laughs> Have yeah. you met Lecky? Like you must have met Lecky. Like yeah, I've met like, I met him a couple of times, and he is. I think he still has. He's like to me in the same way. Dwid kind of always has that kind of like air about him, where it's like this mystique that they kind of carry with them even into the present day. Like meeting yeah. him after the fact, but I could see how he would have been rather intimidating as a young person in the hardcore scene. I just he was the best. Like, he was one of the, he is one of the best frontmen I've ever seen. Like, oh him, god, yeah. Like he just. I remember once walk the plank playing at Star and Garter, and him just like doing because he's he's not like he like moves around and like is is act, like actively trying to intimidate. But then he dives into the crowd and he's a fucking lump. Do you know what I mean? He was like <laughs> ball and muscle, and I was just like, "Mate, you're a fucking terrifying man." I loved it. I was like, "I want like there's <laughs> that that kind of thing that just like I loved about hardcore at the time." You know what I mean? Me like being actually a bit scared. It felt like Walk the Plank also was another band that was kind of gaining steam over here. I don't think they, I know they didn't, I don't think they ever made it over. No, but, didn't but like there's those seven inches are great. And then that, when we got over there, hearing like Legend of the, uh, the ferry boat show that they would play and just how important that show was. Like they, they're a band that I think years from now people are kind of going to go back and look at. Yeah, I would have thought I revisited the LP and, and the, the seven inch from that release show. It's fucking great, man. So good. I was watching videos and that as well. So like, kind of forgotten. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's why doing this thing's sick. Because I'm just like re- reliving my youth, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as we're talking about like last time, and once again to bring everyone else into the conversation, this period of of UK hardcore was super underground. Like it wasn't like this is almost pre Vice getting interested in hardcore, which I think brought a lot more mainstream attention to it. Yeah, definitely. It was like that because I guess that was like, yeah, they did, they did just shine a light on some of the stuff a bit late, but later on. But it was just, yes, yeah, so this was slightly before it. Mm-hmm. But it's where, yeah, Ben, ben Rayner, when he was, because he was a goldsmith, and I think he was taking photos for Vice or something. And then a couple of people caught wind and stuff. And there's a couple of people like Dino and that, for, who he plays in a band called Deny Everything with Troy and a couple of others. And the drummer, and yeah, they sort of like, 
Dino was sort of like about town as well. He was like in you know, like put on parties and stuff like that. And it just there was just started to be this like bit of a merging of things in London, really. So I remember I remember everyone on message boards being like fucking shitty vice hardcore, whatever, you know, like kicking off about it. And at the time I was just I wasn't like, no, fuck all them. I was like, sick, I want to go to parties and I wanna, you know what I mean? I'm like fully welcomes all of it. What, and a lot of them were like, you know, proper hardcore kids. They weren't like, you know what I mean, like Dino and Ben and all them were just active hardcore kids. So Yeah, and you can kind of see how it like all built, you know, like Vice getting interested in hardcore for better or for worse, made hardcore kind of cool, which I think eventually leads to turnstile happening right now. Like it leads yeah, to yeah. this moment we're in right now. No, uh, definitely, yeah. Like Gallows, it was because that Gallows, first time we went there, we played the Obu Last on that very first tour. And yeah. I think that was the first hardcore show that they had done there. And then mm -hmm. we came back again, and this time the Gallows were opening for us. And just kind of like the attention that was on the Gallows leads to them blowing up and i'm sure tons of kids that are now part of the scene getting into it through being exposed to the gallows yeah definitely there's people here and i i mean now like oh fucking hell i saw that one years ago with gallows or whatever. I'm like, yeah yeah no shit yeah well it's you need that like we're talking about you need these on-ramp bands to get kids into the scene you know not everyone's going to stick around obviously that buys a blink 182 shirt but some will it's a it's pretty like hardcore and punk and stuff is like pretty successfully self-regulating, you know. Like mm -hmm. most people who are dickheads don't really last that long. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long like as long as you sort of like protect, you know, everyone from like actual actual proper wrongings, then it's kind of all right. You're kind of like, oh whatever, they'll be there for a bit. They'll fuck off. Well, yeah, and like and uh, you know, not that everyone like we were talking about this off air, but not that everyone ages out in terms of getting to a certain age where they they no longer can be involved because like you're saying there's 40 year old people that are involved in the scene that carry the torch for the scene that are mm. essential to the scene but at the same time it's kept pure you know for lack of a better term because bands will eventually just kind of branch off and leave and what yeah. what is vital will always be hardcore and and this little little core yeah yeah and it's this yeah there's a pretty amazing like footprint to draw from you know what i mean like if we but that you know it's a it doesn't hardcore doesn't need changing do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. so it's like as long as we've got that and people can draw from bands that take drawn from it in the future i mean there's so much good shit now in london it's a lot like i always could say they're younger but they're not really that fucking young there's bands like that brain rot of records and that and the annihilated and bands of that fucking like like really really good hardcore bands just bands who are like you know you can tell are just fucking scholars of like of old hardcore sets yeah it's sick to see but I, do you know about mastermind as well no i haven't heard mastermind looking good like really like yeah good solid new york hardcore like it's, that oh go on sorry no go on it's, go it's amazing how you know looking back at the time we're looking at where you could probably with two hands name every unbelievable band in the uk to this period now where there's dozens of unbelievable mm. bands in the uk yeah it's good and it's not all just the same members doing a different style yeah exactly <laughs> where it's yeah like with the down and outs sss the cold ones walk the plank it's pretty much the same yeah people. you can fit in one van you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but that's also uh, so special because like you have this core of people that keep it going during the lean time when there's no hope of the enemy or, or pitchfork or vice or whoever covering it where it's just yeah. you're doing it because this is what you do and this is what you fucking love yeah it's the thing and i mean we'd all be doing this anyway wouldn't we do you know what i mean like but it's yeah. like it's i think it's nice to see the, the ups and downs of it you know and to, to ride the wave while it's happening Especially shows now are fucking rowdy. So like, out, we had that outbreak festival of a month, and it was like, I don't know, four thousand people. And it wasn't like you, four thousand. Like I was, it was just so sick. It was just, it was hardcore on such a massive scale, but also just felt punk and didn't feel like, do you know what I mean? I didn't feel like the SGs were gonna fucking batter me or for stage diving or whatever. You could do, you know what I mean? You could. It was cool. Like, so mm. it's, yeah. 
I don't, I don't know if, if it can get any bigger. Like, but... <laughs> it's interesting to think about that because, like, at every point, I think people are like, "Well, it can't get bigger than this." And there's always that, you know. But what if? What if? And you look at all the bands that tried to to do it or or went for it and just kind of like got to a certain point and then kind of had to die on the rocks but it keeps getting bigger like every generation there's another band that that pushes it and uh, you know we live in a world now where these micro scenes can get so huge and mm. i think hardcore is one of these micro scenes that's just getting bigger and bigger like it feels like you're saying four thousand people at outbreak like i don't know how many people were at the first outbreak fest hundreds yeah a couple hundred i guess yeah <laughs> i thought that i mean yeah we played it years ago and it was like <clears throat> it felt big but you know what i mean it was like it was just insane looking out so i just was like who the, like who the, and the other thing as well back in the day you, you could you'd recognize every a bit like at ninja fest or whatever you know mm -hmm. did you ever go to uh, like there's a big fest in the underworld whenever like years ago I think doesn't that Bruno go to Ninja Fest in uh in like uh he goes to Evil Fest sorry at the Underworld. Bruno goes what Bruno is in Ali G Bruno. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. There's one of like the it was like a bonus feature on the first Ali G tape, and it's like I think him prior to doing Ali G going to I think it's maybe Evil Fest, but it... yeah, Evil Fest. I think Evil Fest was the thing before it. Yeah, it was just like loads of LBU bands. Yeah. And, like, yeah and he goes around he asks like are any skinheads not gay and <laughs> it's it's like a an unbelievable clip and i'm pretty I'll, sure I'll, 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 uh, I'll write that in my to-do list of <laughs> google <laughs> searches <laughs> uh, but yeah what was all oh, connie was saying about that but yeah but back in the day uh, you'd, you'd kind of know you'd you know you'd or at least have an idea of who would be like especially you could be like don't stand by him because he'll fucking volley your head off and don't you know what i mean they kind of knew who who was who ever in in like the scene and now just maz and it's not like you, you recognize you recognize them in a way but you don't recognize them you know what i mean yeah <laughs> people look well, like hardcore kids well like we're talking about at a point when you could just name a random person from london obviously ben rayner's a fixture in in punk and hardcore but at the same time like everyone knew everyone around that country like it felt mm -hmm. like at a certain point it had to be one giant not even just country what had to be one uk wide scene because yeah. there wasn't really enough people to support like independent local scenes at that point yeah definitely i also like message board culture as well you just had like you know what i mean everyone did kind of know each other in a way and it's quite nice yeah it was nice missing days <laughs> yeah those days are gone we can't get them back as tenured fight once said <laughs> <laughs> But you know that's the other thing is we, we you don't necessarily want to get them back at this point right because it's what's happening now is uh, you know more interesting in a, in a lot of ways where you don't necessarily know everyone and this is the time when we're going to start seeing new interesting things come out of it because it's so big again it's going to have to splinter off into different things at some point yeah definitely it's not i mean and it's there's a, the attitudes changed a lot i think a lot of people are more open you know what i mean for like, like especially like with our band as an example like years ago do you know i don't know if we'd been given we would have been given the time of day really mm -hmm. you know what i mean but seem like, like now people are fucking down for it we're play, like playing hardcore shows playing weird indie shows playing like civilian fests like you know what I mean? civilian fests <laughs> <laughs> yeah normal people normal play those, people. Play those normals mental they are weird. Well, the UK, the normal people in the UK are way scarier than hardcore and punk kids in the UK. Cause like a normal person's a person who's going to drink like eight snake bites at a bar after coming out of their office job <laughs> and throw like a McChicken sandwich at your face because they're behind them in line at McDonald's or something. That is, that is true. We do have a, a rich, diverse culture here of <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> drinking and throwing food stuffs there's definitely <laughs> there it it feels like the uh well like everywhere has these kind of cultures obviously but i think because everything in the uk is so much more compacted together i think you experience it like i wouldn't go to a nightclub district in toronto ever 
but right. you might just wind up in a nightclub district as you're leaving a show in the in yeah the, you can't help walking through soho and fucking hell it's an absolute war zone i love camden. it camden at night coming out of the underworld at night going across the street to get a kebab good luck mate <laughs> <laughs> Place. It might kick off. It yeah. might. It might truly kick off. What was the band to you that kind of starts the new wave of of British hardcore? Like, is it the Flex when that starts, or do you see it starting with Dead and Gone Records? Kind of prior to that. I think. Well, I think after Dead and Gone, when the Dead and Gone breakup happened or whatever, it kind of died a death for a while, and then yeah, I think yeah, bands like the yeah the Flex, and then it was like. Sounds like shrapnel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on, and then violent reaction, obviously, and like the kind of London, yeah, London straight edge scene. Okay, London, like London's London straight edge was, yeah, like a like a cool time. Do you know what I mean? Like especially like abolition and stuff like that. All the iterations of like of punk that Charlie's he's Charlie's fucking good at punk, isn't he? It's he's like, good at punk. <laughs> Like that, that like for his old, yeah, like that band's fucking unbelievable. That LP is really underrated. The abolition one, yeah, yeah, it's hard as fuck. Yes, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It is really. They good. were just super committed. I like, I like, I like, I love straight edge hardcore. Do you know what I mean? If you're like just committed to straight edge, I think that's fucking sick. Yeah, good for you. So I think, do you know what I mean? No, no, not any, not patronizing way. I just rate it. I rate anyone who's really committed to anything do you know what i mean like, i don't know how committed to straight as charlie was though in the end no he's 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 chosen a slightly different path at the moment but he's, <laughs> well he's committed to that path he's committed you know I mean? he is committed <laughs> he's he's the guy that's bridging the worlds of being at a hardcore show and also drinking eight snake bites while dancing to blur and oasis songs in a club and then going to get the kebab afterwards <laughs> He, he's yeah he is british culture he's british <laughs> <laughs> uh, but once again it's amazing how you're we're talking about how it's not necessarily this core of people but yet there's this core of people that are doing all sorts of sick bands and that have consistently done sick bands like you you're like tremors is unbelievable too the tremors is a great band yeah cheers man it's a bit um, of a weird weird like i don't I, I think i was such a i was so fucking depressed at that time and so like, i didn't well, don't like didn't, you know didn't know it necessarily until afterwards when you look back you're like like i just i just thought i was angry and that you know then that kind of comes across in the songs or whatever but i just you know it's, it's a weird one for me really because i didn't i didn't put like well none of us did we didn't really like put effort into it or something it was just something we were doing as like a, to vent or whatever do you know what i mean it didn't mm-hmm. necessarily think it had legs or anything definitely didn't believe in ourselves in any way you know what i mean like we, it was just like fuck it this is this let's do that you know yeah um i kind of wish now because I, I i've listened back to it recently and i was like i, I would like like it you know what i mean it's not like it sounds how i felt so well, it's weird how when you go back to stuff that uh you're writing from a negative place you're never really able to revisit it in a completely happy way because it just brings you right back to that i just feel sorry for myself do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. just my fucking hell man i was like there's a lot of it, I think, because after like, there's a lot, a lot of things that had happened in my life that like I was really shaped by. Like, my mate got killed in, in Liverpool. It was like that was during Dirty Money, and he was like kind of there when Dirty Money was starting and stuff. And it was just like, and he got killed in like quite a brutal way on the way his way home from work. It was by some lads, and it was just like, I just I'm was like, I was just, I was just like, fuck the world, you know what I mean? But I like really was felt, I felt it, and and kind of was. I don't know, just like my whole worldview was clouded by that kind of shit and just like other things from when I was a kid. So it's a bit, yeah, sort of in my recent years when I started like look, looking at my own life and being like, oh, actually, didn't like, you don't have to, you know, you can kind of let go of stuff like that. And that's why, that's how, I mean, after the new, the Hivist stuff is, you know, from doing that therapy and shit like that, really, and let, letting go of anger, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it, it does feel very positive. It's almost like it almost is like a therapy core in a way where yeah. this is like I don't want that to catch on. <laughs> well <laughs> I labeled fucked up hipster hardcore and I really regret doing that because 
<laughs> so, you made your bet. <laughs> yeah, I made my bet. I got a lie in it, but but there's this uh yeah, there is like a an uplifting feeling to it, like a positivity to yeah. what you're doing now. I feel it. Like it's it's nice to to feel to like to yeah to feel like better in yourself, and also it's like a, a lot of like a lot like hardcore. I've said it before. Hardcore is the fucking best because if you feel you know you feel like all of us have felt when we're seeing. I'm sure you're the same. There's probably like earlier fucked up stuff where you're angrier or something. Oh you know god, yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. you just sort of and you it it perpetuates the cycle a little bit and it's sick and you know it's it, you, like when it, it works for you it's sick but then it comes a time when you're just like i feel a bit fucked here mm-hmm. <laughs> or it gets when it gets too much and then to yeah to be able to sort of let go of that a little bit and do something that's also but at the same time because of because of doing hardcore whatever and being like you know what i mean hardcore like quote scott vogel hardcore is my best friend <laughs> <laughs> Yes. We played with terror on Monday, so it's fresh in my mind. But, <laughs> um, like, you know what I mean? You've done, because you've been around and you know people, you've, you've given a space to be able to do it. And then, like, luckily, people have been like, oh, go ahead. They've actually thought, you know, given Hive as a chance or whatever. So that's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a, uh, as much as it is a place where you can kind of have that negativity and wallow in it, it's also the place of, instead singing we'll make the difference and handing out cokes mm-hmm. at their shows or you know activists like doing food not bombs or, or just like it, there is this as much as there's a negativity in it too there's also this sort of like self-help positivity yeah. and you don't necessarily see that in metal in the same way no, there's a lot no. of negativity there but there's not that positivity it doesn't yeah it's like and also it just teaches you so much about how to how to create something for you know what I mean? Like you, when you're given the space to be able to do this, it's like I've like I was saying before, most things come back to you know hardcore skateboarding, like that kind of like those kind of cultures because you just learn how to make something that is ultimately it's not it's like profitless in it really, yeah. <laughs> like but you're finding something. It's all life is, isn't it wasting time in the best way possible, essentially. It's interesting when you look at Liverpool and you get back to like the beginning of the hardcore scene. It does really. Like obviously the record store, what's the? I'm now I'm blanking on it. Well, probe, probe, probe is like obviously legendary and essential, but it really feels like it's that skate shop in the late eighties. Where start. oh, oh, the, which one? The one yeah, that Robbie uh, Reed, like Jail Cell Recipes, Robbie worked at, and what was it called? Jeff Rowley used to shop there. I can't remember. Like forbidden's dimension i don't know it's in the it's it, people need to go back and listen to the jeff rally episode because he named yeah. drops it in that episode but it feels like that was really the you know the the, the kind of hot spot for hardcore it, after a certain it still time. isn't it, like lost art in liverpool which is this like i used to go there as a kid as well and like used to you know we all just used to hang around there basically and it was it was a couple of people who into hardcore and stuff would like would go there so all like russ from cold ones used to hang around there and like Mackie and Ash and all them were like they just give you a bit of a space to just I don't know it just felt like a hub everyone needs a bit of a hub doesn't it do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so they um yeah lost art's really important especially like you know a lot of them are just you know Mackie's like a proper hip-hop head but I used to like look up to a lot of the others and it's still punk in it do you know what I mean like that skate shop was just run by skaters and it was supporting like the Liverpool scene so it was very much like a hub for that's like one of the things you kind of worry about in the world where everyone's buying everything online is that these places that sold records, like, yeah, obviously they're, they're serving a capitalist need or, or the place that sold skateboards, like obviously they're serving some sort of like making money ends, but they're also, like you're saying, these are hubs where kids could congregate and hang out and meet other kids. And you didn't necessarily have to buy something. You were just, there because you were taking in the culture and just it they they served like a greater purpose than yeah, just definitely. retail stores yeah meeting i mean she's looking up look like you meet like people who are your role models essentially you know what i mean i had like there's people i can trace back like fucking how i dressed to seeing john t o'connor in there wearing like polo and gold chains and thinking <laughs> you look fucking sick do you know what i mean like i can <laughs> i like it's the same with the egg cafe as well. I think in Liverpool, like the egg, we used to go to the egg. I used to, well, we used to go every day. You know what I mean? I was like, I just go and I drink tea and I'd sit and hear stories by old hardcore kids about mad shit. <laughs> so to say, 
And it's like, yeah, all, 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 all the same people that Robbie Brookside was talking about. Well, and I know you said you didn't want to get into that negativity that we had in our last conversation as much, but that to me is, and I, I don't want to sound gatekeepering when I say this, mm-hmm. but this to me is what separates punk and hardcore from things that just call themselves punk and hardcore is that there mm-hmm. is this continuum of knowledge that is shared and and people like listening to other people tell stories and and diving into it and and researching it and just making it their culture and yeah it becomes something well, that, more that's what punk is that's punk yeah. is that isn't it it's the, yeah, the building blocks are handed to you by older corman or whatever you know be like older punks who are like yeah. say this is and it is like and like I, like i said punk and hardcore have got, it's got a pretty good uh tendency of like weeding out the wrong ones you know like mm-hmm. so you generally hand you know you pass down knowledge and whatever and you you learn how to do stuff and i think that's the thing that like like i was saying in, in the last there's a you do see a lot of bands who are calling themselves who, you know are called punk bands and stuff and i'm just like i don't i don't recognize your like your behavior your approach or whatever it is and it just doesn't see like punk yeah it's hard to be post-punk or punk when you know what I mean? When, when I just, uh, I don't know where you've come from. <laughs> yeah. Look, everyone's resume can be checked and everyone, you know, like, you know, who was at these shows hmm. on the come up and just like ha- yeah, part of the you, scene building it. You hear a lot of their like, Oh yeah, I was there. And I'm just like, fucking, I remember them shows. And there was eight people there. Yeah. And I don't remember. <laughs> and it's not a sound thing either, because like we were saying, it can be, spaz it can be bikini kill it can be Mm. it could be uh, knuckle dust it can be anything but there is like it's all part of the same thing and we're all like weirdly in this web together but even that's the thing even like even the kind of like more art in liverpool especially there was like the art like the kind of art rock like angular jangly you know there's a band called hot clubs of parry who i fucking loved i I still do love um and they were like the ego who Matt, the ego who played, who played in the down and outs. He's the okay. one who sounds like Rod Stewart. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and they all crossed over. Do you know what I mean? It was like, oh, so all the punks, and we'd all go to like rock clubs and stuff together as well. Do you know what I mean? So you just, you knew who was like, who was like, lack of a better word, real. Do you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't just like feeding off, off the, off the culture. They were like contributors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like between our last conversation and this conversation, I talked to to Stephanie from Big Joni and she echoed exactly what you're saying about, you know, being at these DIY shows back in, you know, 2013 and, and, you know, seeing these bands and, you know, seeing where these people are now playing music and and seeing a disconnect with some of the other stuff that gets labeled part of it yeah definitely because it's you know even like the yeah the, like diy space for london scene and lo- like you still and power lunches and all that stuff it's all you know it's like it's adjacent in it you know what mm-hmm. I mean? like since either you know i wasn't like a power lunch i played power lunches and stuff so that's what you, you knew you knew who they were you know but it's like and so they're like they're 30 in a sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. You, like, you can kind of you, you know you know who's who's been about or whatever really yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's it's always like an interesting thing because like you're saying it is self-regulated in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and and is self-policed and 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 we all know you know and it also could be like you could connect with something i think that's the other thing is like everyone's got a different relationship with this word and mm-hmm. at, and at the same time as there was the Voorhees, there was bands like ash talking about punk in mainstream yeah. music press yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're worlds apart but Yet they're all, you know, somehow. One of the first records I had that Ash, nineteen seventy seven. It's a sick record. Yeah, yeah. That's a great album, and I guess like, you know, I'm I'm sure there's a connection. I'm sure it's like someone. Actually, I know their their first singles were on some like DIY tape labels. Okay, cool. You know, well, Lush cool, is connected to Hardskin, so. Yeah. <laughs> like we live in a we live in a world where you know it's all connected. <laughs> I do love them fucking weird connections. Yeah. Yeah. That you it, live for it. <laughs> I live for it. I live, I live, I live for that. I, I really do. Uh, there's, have you heard the headless chickens? No, that, that was Tom York's punk band. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. They, they, had a, good? 
For, they, only, they only have one song on a comp, so the one song on a comp's pretty sick. Okay, cool. I got. I've I seen some videos online. Um, not as sick. Not as sick for me, but <laughs> you know, still, <laughs> I can still see how it connects. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, this has been awesome, and Graham. Thank you and so much. Yeah, audio, thanks, for, um, thanks for sort of doing it again. Fucking. Well, audio problems be damned. We will we will make this happen. And anytime you want to come back on this thing, and talk about uh, anything, anything, okay, anything. Well, I'll have a think. It's got to be somewhat punk related. I really yeah, don't how have to a... check hardcore kids. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can like. <laughs> if you want to start talking to me about those mix mag happy hardcore compilations, I'm yeah. Oh man. <laughs> So yeah, I've, I've been re revisiting a lot of Happy Hardcore. There's a, a couple of like, there's a couple of people in. There's like connections here with like, like Chris Bress from Lowest Form. Do you know? Do you know Chris Bress? You know no, I don't him? think so. They played in a band called Lowest Form. I, I, I never really thought that people would like Happy Hardcore and stuff like that. And I, got, I remember just like getting chatting to him, and then that's like opened me up. I've been like raving a lot more in London and meeting a load of these like, especially Jim from Tremors. He DJs techno now and runs the night down at this and it's fucking sick it's the most punk thing it's like super ghetto like mot center space and they do like sick nights which but it's it's the most punk thing i'm like yeah, it's opened I, up a whole new world of just chatting shit about happy hardcore to chris press and being like all oh, right i think when we, we took ice age out on tour i think we were playing in nottingham anyway we're playing some show and we came out and they were all watching like videos of raves on their phone on their phones and we were like this is wild, but you know, once again, it makes sense for, for, for a lot of people. I think here I never connected to it, but that's probably just cause like, you know, I'm, I'm like, just, it was like a different thing. I think. Yeah. Me. I'm just understand the free party scene and stuff like that. It's like here and it's still, there's like such a good scene of like, it's so weird. It's just, but it's like, it's, it feels punk and sick, you know, yeah. like, yeah, well, and it did like pirate radio, and how many of those early Manchester people had come out of punk in like that first mm. wave of stuff in Manchester too, and it, I'm sure there are like deep, deep connections. Like you're saying, like a lot of these squatted venues and a lot of these squatted places were were squatted by punks or proto punk type people, pink fairy yeah, type yeah. people, I guess. Before that, oh, but that's me door ringing. I better uh... <laughs> you got to go. <laughs> literally, I've literally got to go. All right, Graham. Thanks for Thank doing you. this. Thank you so much, man. And uh, see you again soon. Thank you, Graham, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, uh, Graham will be back at some point in the future to talk about more punk stuff. Maybe we'll have a British uh, punk music roundtable at some point because uh, there's a lot of great stuff happening over there. Check out High Viz. Check out High Viz. Check out both LPs, but the new one, especially on Deus. Check out the old one. I love the old one too. All right. On to the next episode of Turned Out a Punk. On the next episode of Turned Out a Punk, another band that put out one of my favorite records of last year from the band 16. One of my favorite bands of all time. I love this band so much. And they've never gotten bad been through a lot of journeys with this band in terms of membership changes and, and all sorts of things. And we try and unravel the whole thing with Bobby next week on the show. This is a dream episode for me and I'm stoked for you to hear it. And that is that. Remember as always, black lives matter, the lives and issues of indigenous peoples all over the world matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and, and, and their rights and stop hating violence towards people of different races and different faiths and different ethnic backgrounds and just knock out all this hate because we're not talking about politics here. We're talking about basic human rights stuff. People deserve to be free from hate and violence. And to this, I would also add, we need to make sure we protect what people want to do with their reproductive systems in terms of choices that they have available to them. Because that's a human rights issue too. If there's organizations that are doing good work in this world, get involved. Lend your time. Lend your money if you have it. Lend your support. Speaking of doing things, build your own scene. Anyone can do this shit. Start a band. Start a fanzine. 
yeah, fuck, start a podcast. You can do that too. Anyone can do this stuff. So go out there and make your own culture. Try meditating. I didn't believe in it. And I find I go to the breathing. And I, there's so much that I benefit from um, on a selfish level. So maybe you will too. Speaking of things you can do for people that isn't selfish, sign your organ donor cards. Because by the time they come looking at those organs, you don't need them. It's literally dead weight. Just get it out of your body. And that is it. Try and stay positive. Try and stay, stay happy. And I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening.